hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Ryan, good to talk to you today. Very good to talk to you today. And today, as you can tell from the title, we are talking about Barbie, uh, the recently released film uh, to s- some renown and, uh, and repute, some amount of fame. This was a, a, a multi, multi-stage, multi-listener uh, request. And uh, th- even if it wasn't, uh, Todd and I were talking about this before the show. We both really like the movie, so we'll just put that out there. This is not, if maybe sometimes when we do uh, more recent and more popular uh, uh, pieces of media, we, we get, you know, new listeners and people come in who never listened to the show before. This is not, we're not, well, this is not going to be a review. We're not doing a review. We don't really do that kind of thing. Um, what we're going to talk about uh, largely is uh, this, this fact, which is uh, some listeners even mentioned to you, is that even if we didn't like this movie, we would have to like this movie. We would have to like because it. Because yeah. we would have to like it. Because uh, it does, um, it puts into effect a number of uh, principles and ideas that we talk about on the show all the time and have, uh, you know, down the years. Uh, but we did really like the movie. So, and it did uh, do a number of different things that we we're going to uh, get into today. Um, and so I have kind of a, I don't want to say like an opening statement, um, but, a, but a little, little thing, uh, but Todd, do you want to get in before I get in on my, on my little thing? Yeah. I thought that, what did I think the film? I mean, I thought it's interesting. So you mentioned that we got emails. I got an email while I would, I wasn't checking my email, but I was in the film and I got an email saying, you must really love exactly what you just said. You must really love this film because it's totally <laughs> theoretically. And I think, and this person was really drawn to the way that we'll get to this because it's more toward the end of the film, the way that the Barbies them, when they revolt against the Ken's turning their Barbie land into patriarchy, that the, what they do is bring force the Barbies to confront contradiction basically. And I mean, not basically, that's what they do. And Mm -hmm. that's, that has even named that it is even named contradiction. Correct. So that really, the fact that that's the political engine and then the way the film ends, which we'll also talk about, the, that people emailed me and said, wow, isn't this really something that, that you should love? And and so I, I, I got out of the film and before I could make up my mind when I thought about it, I, <laughs> I checked my email and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I love it. So that was a, <laughs> no, I went with, uh, I went with my spouse, Hillary Neroni, and she, she, we, we of course talk, right? She's like, amazing. And I'm like, yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. It's good. That's awesome. That's no, oh no. That's that's great. It's great when uh, when when the the the, the coincidence uh, of the of the universe can work. That like a film a film is going to do a thing that you uh, talk about. I mean, like this is part of the, that that we talk about here. I mean, this is part of why we're drawn to media for so many of our examples uh, philosophically. Is that like, and and this is always the point, is the way that theory works uh, according to us. The way that we think it should work is that when you it should not be a straight application of a theory to an object. The object should teach you something. Right. You know, because if, if you really believe, especially the things that like we're really invested in just flat out, if you, if you acknowledge and understand the idea of the unconscious, then when you also understand and acknowledge that we're always acting unconsciously, including, and especially, um, artists, teachers, anybody, if you have to do anything public, like whatever, it doesn't, doesn't matter, but like, you're always acting, uh, unconsciously. And when right. like film is just such a great example of this, because, um, even, you know, the, the author theory does not stipulate that, it is, that what film is is a single author medium. What it, 
mentions or what, what the, the core dictate is, is that there is a, a thumbprint from certain creators that um, because of or in spite of like all the different hands that a movie goes through, there is something distinctive. Uh, from you know this creator or this this group of creators or you know like films with like maybe it's not uh, just Hawks but Hawks films when he's got uh, Cary Grant you know like and, and there's something that comes out of the whatever it is however you yeah, want to yeah. put it yeah um because th- that I think is another is a, a it's not in the uh, you know was it Reve doesn't put it this way but like that's because of the the unconscious and like you know like Hawks himself is such a good example because if you watch his films, you notice that like the women characters all have a quality to them. And this is sometimes referred to as the Hoxian woman, which he completely disavows as a thing that he tried to do. Like, like right, right, he, right. he, he think, you know, and again, so this is like, you know, the, um, this is, this would be the unconscious. Like, right. Uh, I think it's, there, isn't there, isn't there a Hegelian dimension too, right? Like that Hegel's idea is that when you, the being of the subject is its action or its deed, right? And so I think when yeah. you, even if you have a certain idea when you go in to make a film as a director, the act mm-hmm. of making it does this other thing or does something yes. to your idea. And and so even if you, like even if Greta Gerwig meant to make a film that was pro-capitalist and pro-buy Mattel. And I mean, I think it has those dimensions to it. So I, I'm not oblivious to that critique, but there's also this other element that's critical of the way capitalism is structured. So she didn't, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think she made intended to do that, but, but by unleashing the idea as a, as a work in, as an act, as a work, an aesthetic work, then it, it all of a mm. sudden, she loses control of it, right? And that same thing for Hawks. Like he he loses control of the women in his films. I think isn't the the great example of this is the the No Plus Ultra is Angie Dickinson in Rio Bravo, right? Like it's yes. this incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. figure who's really the center of the film, even though of course the films are sexist, et cetera. But there's this this uh, this dimension of the thing takes it has a life of its own, and I think that's what. Hegel would call act and then what Freud would call unconscious. And it's interesting how that coincides with aesthetic output. And that's what we're drawn mm. to in the, in, yeah. in the aesthetic work. It's not, it's, we're not looking for just the idea of the person. Otherwise we just go have a conversation with them. Instead, we're looking for what they don't know about themselves and about their, their idea. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, so let's, so I'm going to put a, put a bow on this. What yeah. did this film teach me? Uh, what did this film teach me? Well, we're going to get into a lot of it, but I'm, I want to put one here starting a little bit wide of the film. I know we're a little bit into this, but so this is going to be wider comment that will not necessitate you having seen the film to get maximum value out or so I hope. Um, so there's this idea in um, one of the, uh, uh, one of the corners of the uh, theoretical uh, world that, that I uh, plant my flag in uh, seriality studies. There's an idea uh, called the serial figure. Okay, and so this would be the idea of a a character, let's say, who exists across many different iterations and maybe even many different mediums. To explain this idea, I always like to do Batman. Batman's pretty famous. So Batman has comics. Batman has movies. Batman has TV shows. Batman has old TV shows. Batman has animated TV shows. Batman has old movies. Batman has new movies. Uh, There are many different Batmen. Okay, so that's a serial figure existing across, uh, you know, a period of popular culture 
that we can point to and you can see these different iterations and there are different Batman, uh, as, uh, as, as Hank Venture points out in the Venture Brothers, pre-Crisis on Infinite Earths Batman and Silver Age Batman are two very different Batman. Obviously, the Christian Bale Batman is very different from the Michael Keaton Batman, et cetera, et cetera, okay? Batman, serial figure. Um, Barbie, uh, th- this, this point brought to me by a former student who maybe sometimes listens. Her name is Adelaide, so that's a shout-out to her. Uh, made the claim that, that Barbie... It exists in more types of media than any other kinds of, uh, of serial figures. And this was a couple of years ago. And one of the things she showed me was that, like, you know, the, obviously we know the toys of course, and Batman also has toys, but um, Barbie has toys. Barbie has, you know, uh, like old CD ROM games, like and and video games. And there's uh, there's books and there's magazines and co- comics. And of course, like there's now this, this movie, there's also uh, in TV shows, there's also like Barbie. I don't know if it's still running, but Barbie had a vlog, like a like a, a real video blog. And I don't know who did the voice of the Barbie who was um, computer animated. But there was I was just like stunned by this when my student showed me like Barbie had a vlog update on the George Floyd protests. And it was like incredible. The it was incredible. And the, the content of it, like the, the take like from Barbie, it was, um, and I mean this as an absolute compliment, it was like Teen Vogue good. This is in my memory of it. I don't remember exactly what it was or, or, or where you can find it. But I was just like really stunned by this. And I I can't imagine Batman doing that. Like, like it's also not appropriate because Batman, this is one of the points of the Frank Miller Batman, uh, Batman, Batman series is like Batman's kind of a fascist. Like there's no due process in what Batman does and what the problem for Frank Miller was like, does he go far enough? You know, that was, that was the gritty, uh, Batman thing that happened in the eighties, um, in partial reaction to the campy, uh, Batman of the, of Adam West in the sixties. Like there's this idea, uh, you know, this whole thing that happened in DC comics in the, in the, in the 1980s, that was kind of all done under the banner of like no children and no wives. Like, so these people can't be happy. So the, 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 that, that was absolutely anathema to the, to the whole thing. So like Batman uh, is, is grizzled, he's a grizzled fascist who is just trying to get things done. You know, like the, this, like this ultimate hero who I don't know that I would want the Frank Miller Batman take on the George Floyd protests. Right. I don't think that would really be appropriate. That wouldn't be nor good. do I, no, it wouldn't be good. Nor do I think, and I'm aware of the Lego Batman movie, nor do I really think there could be a live action Batman comedy. I don't in the way that there is this Barbie film, but I do think if Greta Gerwig wanted to make a sequel to this and it was called like detective Barbie and it was like a hard boiled film, like I kind of think that would work. Like I, like I, I, I don't, okay. it doesn't have to be with, with someone in, in, in the film. I just think, so how do we get, so what, what's, what's the, what's the thing here? What's the, so what, what did this film teach me? And the, it's actually something that the film argues and it's not something that the film says. In the beginning of the film, there's this great, well, first of all, there's this wonderful reference to 2001 that maybe we want to talk about. It's the very beginning, right, right? At the very beginning. And then there's this Helen Mirren voiceover that talks about uh, Barbie and like there's so many different Barbies and that it's actually this like, this kind of like infinite difference that that is uh, that is special to Barbie. And I think the film ends up making an opposite point, which is that there is a universality to uh to barbie and i'm not going to phrase it exactly this way but this this is what i this is what it taught me and i was thinking about this thing that my my former student said and the idea of the serial figure and i was thinking about this relationship between barbie and batman and this is what i came to is that there is a sameness to every iteration of barbie that enables her to exist differently across a spectrum of media 
and that there's a difference to every iteration of Batman, that kind of just makes him feel the same. It doesn't yeah. matter who it is. And, 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 and that, I think, this, this, this what this film taught me. So that it's, it's, it's through this, it's actually through the sameness, through a, I don't know, through, through, a, through a core, uh, like an imminent core, I think I maybe want to put it, like imminent with an A, um, that is across all the Barbies, that that's, that's what enables uh, this, a, a dynamism. Whereas, like, I think whenever, whenever there's a new Batman thing, there's just always this pressure that, like, well, how is this going to be different? How is Affleck right. going to do this? How is Pattinson going to do it? And, but it all ends up, you know, a little bit the same. Um, and so that was what, that's one of the things that the, that the film taught me. And I think this is, uh, it's, you were talking about like the unconscious in art, like the film consciously is making this point on the side of, uh, Barbie's like multiplicity and, and, and like this like pure difference. But I think what we're drawn to the thing that emailers emailed you and me about is actually this like, uh, argument of, of, of universality and, yeah. and, and uh, political, uh, urgency. That's what's in the film. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Like, I think that I think I really like that point that if, if there wasn't this universality to Barbie, then there would, then we would, we, it, there wouldn't be the ability to have to rally around the figure in the way that I think that spectators do, right? Like there's some, and I think mm-hmm. I like the, I like that idea that the very sameness allows there to be the difference. Like, that, and I think yeah. that's, it's important. I think that, you can, you can almost see this opposition between, on the one side Hegel, on the other side Deleuze, in that yeah. in that way of comporting things, right? Like so, for Hegel, there's this universality that allows for the production of singularity, and mm-hmm. then for Deleuze, there's just pure difference that then leaves us stuck in particularity. I mean, he doesn't think we're stuck. He thinks particularity right. is 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 the way out is the way out. Right. And then the universality is the trap. But I think that that, I think I really like that idea that, that, that the, 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 the universe, that Barbie is a figure of universality. And then that, that enables these different figures of, of singularity to emerge. So there's the weird Barbie who's where the singularity is very evident, but I like the, one of the things I really liked about the film, you could imagine a film that makes Kate McKinnon, this, I love Kate McKinnon, that makes her Mm. the star and puts weird Barbie in the center. And I think you could, I mean, today, especially you, such a film would be easily conceivable, right? Like that, Mm. that instead of showing the, this stereotypical norm as the center, we're going to show, we're going to bring the weird to the center and then, and then yeah, go from Todd, there. It would but, be lauded. It'd be lauded on that oh, basis that like, right, Oh, would, fin- right. finally this didn't put stereotypical Barbie at the center. That's right. So be lauded for that. So it's interesting why, uh, so I think that's really true. But then the question is why was Ted Cruz so upset uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is great. No, yeah, it's. Yeah. A, I think it's a serious thing, right? I don't think we should instantly like a film because uh, Cruz and who's the other? What's the other guy's name? Andrew. I should know his name. Uh, uh, um, I, I try not to remember. You I mean, try not to remember this? Yeah, uh, no, no. But I mean, do you mean the guy? The who who made like a, he Gates? made like a fifty-three minute video and or four? Oh, I know who it is. 
So Ben Shapiro, that's his name. Ben oh yeah, 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 he's a he's yeah. like a conservative commentator. He made a he made a long like forty minute or fifty minute uh, video in response to Barbie, and then he even yeah. burned two Barbies up in the thing because he was so upset. But my question mm. would be. He's a very brave man, that guy. <laughs> well, whatever. I mean, he didn't like the movie, so he, he expressed himself. <laughs> but, but I, I, I think it's is it interesting? Like, why? If it, now I would have understood it more easily if they had put weird Barbie in the middle. But they were, they were, and I think this is interesting because right. this is a point that several commentators have really been upset about. That, that about the leftist commentators have been upset mm-hmm. that, that that even though there's all this supposed nod to weirdness and you you mm-hmm. know there's multiple barbies they still sure. put a stereotypical barbie played by margot robbie in the center and i think that to, to me that's the anti like it, it, it by doing that what they're saying is even this even the, this completely stereotypical figure is mm-hmm. it's is is has a singularity to it Right. I think like if you would have put the everybody knows the weird Barbie has a singularity. But I Mm -hmm. think just Mm -hmm. exactly your point by putting the stereotypical Barbie in the center, then and then and then and and then showing how she even has a singularity that distances her from her symbolic role. The film basically begins with her saying, wait a minute, I'm going to die. Right, and that yeah. that that sets the motion of the, the that sets the film in motion and the narrative of the film in motion, and it 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 alienates her from her entire this entire fantasy world that she occupies. But I know for you, this is a really important point too, right? That that the fact that it's stereotypical Barbie in the center and not weird Barbie is really mm. really crucial. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the one. It's for me also the. I mean, this happens later in the film, so I don't want to. To- totally do this. Yeah, don't, uh, don't don't spoil your own. Okay, my my thing. But it it, <laughs> right it, it does it does end <laughs> it does end up um uh the, the one I think the one like kind of misstep like the one moment where I think the film uh fails to have the strength of its convictions does occur at exactly this point where it does capitulate to uh people thinking this. But like the the the, cru- the crucial thing. I mean, like you've written a whole book about this. Like the um u- universality is a uh, is a bad is a bad thing when it, it's considered like a, a, a sort of a, a, a Western white colonial flattening. But that's like that's a that's a choice to I would say to define it that way and understand it that way. And even if people who are doing that consider themselves to be on the side of universality, I think not think what we would argue is that's not the universal. That right. is the particular you're you're uh, uh, encrusting and enforcing a particular on everybody, not the work of the universal, the work of the universal, uh, you know, as I've uh, d- defined it, um, various times on this podcast, the particular, it changes all particulars. That's, that's universality. And so through stereotypical Barbie, y- you might, you might even say, you, you know what the, you know what universality is in this, in this film It's death drive is, is like through, through the stereotype, like, like uh, Gloria in the real world, uh, got some copy of uh, Beyond the Pleasure Principle and drew up um, ir- uh, irrepressible thoughts of death, Barbie, like that, like that, like that occurred, to, and and it sort of it it um it's it's really the this like unmooring, like e- even within the stereotypical, this like right, right. this disjunction that's that's the, that's universality. That's why it has to be the stereotypical Barbie to be the figure of universality because the disjunction that like that 
that mooring is too readily evident in Weird Barbie. Like it's right. all it's already there. Like it has to come in. I mean, this, the film makes this argument. It has to come through the stereotypical. It can't come from from the weird. It has to come through the stereotypical, and I think that's one of the strengths of the film. And we will come come back to to this to to, to talk yeah. about it because yeah. it's literally because literally it, it's the climax of the movie. Like I like I think is the is I the, agree. the is the 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 intractable confrontation with contradiction and the like the the only way to overcome it be, being universality and not um, the the bad infinite of uh of of multiplicity like that's the argument of the film like it is very very clearly yeah i think um, that's i think yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right about that I, th- I think that the 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 way that the i mean ob- like obviously you could make a film where weird barbie is in the center and you can see the contradiction there but but everybody sure. knows that right like everybody knows that the figure of weirdness or of exile is in a contradictory position and is and has a singularity to them. But the question is, yes. like, does the figure in the center who's stereotypical yes. also have yes. a contradiction that they're, they're struggling with and that they, and do they also have a singularity to them created by the universal? And the, the answer that the film says is yes. So I think that that's really, really crucial. And I love the way that the film, that, that it's this it's struggling with the, the absolute disjunction from her, even though she's in a fantasy, you mm-hmm. still don't the the, the the subject still doesn't fit within the fantasy. It seems like mm-hmm. the film begin. How long do we go? Like five minutes, where everything maybe even longer, seven, eight. Yeah. Everything fits. Everything's going along fine. Mm-hmm. Ken's in a certain assigned position. He's just a beat. <laughs> he looks to do He's beach. Beach yeah. Ken. Yes, he beaches. Uh, yeah, he beaches, right. The great verbing of beach because there's it's only really exists I think for when a whale dies. That's so right. I think so. That's I right. like <laughs> so I like the what the the film does to to give give that give that verb a, a, another little twist. So anyway, especially because you can you could even think of it that way, right? Like that the guys yeah. Yeah. they just beach themselves. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. they're not really doing <laughs> yeah, anything. Right. Yeah, I think right. that's. Pretty, I mean, that's what the. I just find it fascinating that the this right wing objection to the film is, well, there's no, like the guys are all depicted. I think this is the objection that the guys are depicted badly. And more importantly, the the women in the film are shown not to need the guys. And I think sure. to me, that's the yeah. best part about it. <laughs> like yeah. who wants yeah. to be needed? I mean, that's the, that, that seems like you should, <laughs> they should find that emancipatory. Anyway, uh, I think that the, the other, so we get this, we're in the fantasy mm-hmm. and then it's this alienating moment of a, of a confrontation with existential dread. Right. And that, yeah. and that, yeah which she doesn't know where the, I like this, that she doesn't know where the feeling came from because Mm -hmm. everything within the fantasy is so tightly structured that nothing can seemingly go wrong, but something does go wrong because this feeling, this, this idea of, 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 of the not fitting in of, of confronting one's death comes from the outside, from the Mm. Gloria figure who was playing with the doll, right? Playing with the Barbie doll. Yeah. Well, but but what's really important is that I, this is what I think is like. I mean, for our philosophical pur- purposes here, yeah. is that it emerges from like it emerges from Barbie from the Margot Robbie Bar- Barbie. Like, do you guys ever think about death? And then the whole party stops. It stops, and right. like that, she doesn't know where that came from 
her from within her. And then because it has to be a movie and there has to be motion and movement, and they have to leave this, uh, this, this, this paradise, there does have to be like kind of an externality to it, but it is, I think more better understood as like the, 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 um, that, uh, existential dread is, uh, is extimate to her. Right. I think that that, that would be, right. that would be kind of the, 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 like kind of torsion that I would want to put on it, not external to her, but extimate to her because yeah. there's the, I mean, the film does kind of make this clear that it, it's not just any one person. Like it's not that, like the film doesn't make the claim. And I think this is maybe a subtle thing. It's not getting credit for that. Like it is, it is the stereotypical Barbie, but in the hands of one woman, you know, not the, the, like every person acting upon the stereotypical Barbie. So it, so there, and why theoretically I like this is it makes an intimate tie between Gloria and the stereotypical Barbie. It's not just random. And, and, and it's not just like, it's not pure outside. There is an intimate tie to it, which is why I think that's why that's the term extimate, right? Extimate. Yeah. I I mean, it's also, don't you think it's also true that this is, this is, this is Gloria's in a certain sense, this stereotypical Barbie is Gloria's fantasy, fantasy version of herself. Right. So, so I think that that's, I mean, to me, one of the great things about the film. So we have this, Barbie fantasy world where the women, it's this inverted world where the women are on top. And then as you're, you're right, that they, they, because she has this confrontation with death, they have to take a trip to the real world because something's happening there. That's creating, as you're saying, this extimate, this extimate experience for her. But then what I love is they, they get to the real world and they're like, wait a minute, this is, this is terrible. It's like, everything is, it's not like we have it in the fantasy world. And then don't you have to say to yourself, well, what, what is the film thinking about the relationship between the fantasy world that it depicts in the beginning and then the patriarchal world that it depicts corresponding to that fantasy world? And I think that that's, to me, that was one of my favorite parts because it shows how the this fantasy world where we have an inversion of things where women are on top, women are the, there's a female president, there's a female, totally female Supreme Court. Uh, it doesn't necessarily correspond to a social reality that's emancipated for women in any way, right? Like the like the the patriarchal. And the film invites that tie in the beginning with the with the Helen Mirren, uh, you know, over uh, overdub, which is that everyone in Barbie Barbie Land thinks that what they've done has emancipated all women in the real world. Right. That's what they think. Right. You know, like right. so, the film inv- invites that tie. That's it invites like, it, right? And then important. and then it totally flips it, and then you see, wait a minute. What if the and I think this is the idea really like and maybe not intended by Greta Gerwig because Mattel certainly wouldn't have gone along with that who funded the film let's be clear about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, uh, that what what happens is that you're that the 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 invert the the world with women in charge actually I think the film is saying provides a a phantasmatic support for this patriarchal world right like in the mm-hmm. struct like like. You can fantasize about this world where women are on top, and then that allows you to endure the world mm-hmm. where women aren't on top. And I think that's a really, yeah, yeah, to yeah. me, that that's was a, a really great idea of the film. Again, I don't know that that's even explicitly the idea, but I think it seemed to me that that was definitely what was in play there. Yeah, no, that's a really great point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, the, Do you the, buy that? The thing, I do. Um, 
uh, yeah, I want I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back around to that. Like, okay. What, one okay. of the things that like one of the things that is interesting about the I want to go back slightly to the the conservative objection is that like the the Kens are not oppressed. Like the Kens can in even in the beginning of the film in, in Barbie Land, the Kens can do whatever they want. And what ends up happening when well, they feel uh, oppressed when, though, don't they, Ryan? Because they no, don't get they're not paid attention to. It's, but it's just it's just Ryan Gosling though. Okay, it's just the hit, him, okay. the one Ken, and he comes back with he comes back with patriarchy, and then this is this is what I what I mean to say is that like the okay. Kens can do whatever they want under the initial Barbie land, and then when it becomes the Ken whatever it is afterwards un, under patriarchy, the Barbies can only exist to serve the men. You know, so like so yeah. that's that's the and, and I think that's a really nice like that's a nice point that the that the film is making and the there's anyway so i think so i think that's pretty good and i do think that you're right like like to and this part of the reason why why uh in the thing that i said the oh i don't know 511 seconds ago the about the intimate tie between uh yeah. the, the the two worlds why that needs to be observed and it's not neither world is pure external to the other like that i, I right. think we, why we why we can't do that is you you look at what is the how does how does one support the other? And I think that this is a it's a nice point by you that the in our world, the fantasy of something like Barbie World supports the reality that we have. And then the reality that we have is I I think maybe what supports the idea of a Barbie world is just not threatening. You know what I mean? Right. It is a pure right. externality. And what the film, and this is why like the, the film like evinces and affects like a lot of the things that, you know, we talk about on the show as, as, as ideas and it li- literalizes and visualizes it is that the, it's, it's, not, it's certainly not a merging of the two worlds. Like that would be, I think, uninteresting because that would end up being a kind of like a complementarity or get like a little, right. it, it would be silly, but like it, it try what it does toward the end of the movie. It, it does try, try to try to do this, like to take this real world understanding and to use that to alter the fantasy because the why because the fantasy uh the fantasy emerges due to a I mean this is what the real Perlman figure of the in, inventor of Barbie sort of says that like the the fantasy world and Barbie exists as a uh, as a response to a lack in reality right right and if things are the way they are in the beginning of the movie where we have our reality the way that it is, which allows for women to fantasize or, or, or whoever to fantasize about something like Barbie world. Then we're just going to have the same relationship where there's a, a pure, th- this pure fantasy undiluted by the real world is a thing that allows the real world to exist the way that it does. Exactly. And exactly. I, yeah. And I think I, it's, I, I struggle to, to think about, uh, other films that make a, a point like that where like, cause what it's saying is that th- a utopian idea can only, only exists by depending upon some more brutal reality somewhere else. And it's a little bit, I mean, it's a little bit like the ones who walk away from Omelas, right? Like the, the, there's the, the child uh, being tortured to support the, the, the utopia above, or it's like, I don't know our world where people suffer immeasurable pain elsewhere and we don't see it. And it supports not a utopia, but something that is far more favorable to what those other people are suffering from. And I think again, that the film 
I'm sure people uh, don't like moments where they probably accuse it of being uh, uh, preachy, but I, I, I think in a Hollywood film backed by a major corporation, this is about as close as you're going to get to a critique of that mundane support for our own reality that, yeah, that, that you're going to get. And I, I don't I do think, think that, that was preachy. Kind of... Did you see that? think that was preachy. I mean, I no, think that's I a pretty no, subtle I know theoretical that... point. No, 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 I mean, no, but I, you're I, right. I, I that is, that. Yeah. sorry, I'm talking over you. No, that that's, is, okay. <laughs> that's okay. Sorry. That is the objection to the film. I think <laughs> yeah, that by, yeah. by people on the left, that it's, that it's too preachy mm-hmm. and thus it's, or I mean that it's, that it's funded by, it's a, a long advertisement for Mattel or that it's too preachy. I find it odd that those are the two objections because they're totally at odds with each other, you know? Like, like <laughs> either point. it's too preachy or it's an ad for Mattel. It cannot be both things, right? It cannot yeah. be both things. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. it just can't be. So I, I you know, I, I, I just think you could say the preachy thing, I don't know. I just don't think, I think it's th- that certain things in the film are done so subtly. And I also would say that when it when it is preaching, it's always... Repre- it's showing that it's representing the preaching. So it's not necessarily, mm-hmm. I think there's a difference between showing preaching and mm-hmm. preaching to the spectator, right? To me, sure. yes. like you have to, you have to think that difference. Otherwise you're missing that fact that you're, wa- you're not in a film, you're watching a film. <laughs> so yeah. if there's someone preaching to someone, which happens in the film, right? Like Gloria yeah. basically gives a homily for, I don't know, yeah, yeah, yeah. what? 45 seconds, it's not that long. Something like that. She gives a homily to the Barbies, to the Mm -hmm. Barbies, right? Not to us as spectators. Right. And we have to relate to that homily. It's pretty good, I think. But we have to relate to it as something in the film, something that the Mm -hmm. film presents us with. So I don't think we can just say, oh, the film for their 45 seconds just preaches to us. No, it's, it's showing us preaching. And then we, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean it's ironic. It's not ironic, obviously, but it's, it's not just direct because for the one thing, because the beginning of the film has shown how the, the patriarchy depends upon a certain fantasy of women in charge or women, you know, doing whatever they want. So I think that that, 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 that we have, that shades how we think, mm-hmm. how we respond to Gloria's speech, I think. It's, I mean, I do think, isn't that the, I don't know, I, I kind of think the trajectory of the film is like, what is, like, to articulate something that would be truly threatening to, to patriarchy? Exactly. Because, because Barbie Land is not. It's, it is, if you understand the two worlds as being tied, it's actually supporting it in our world. Like that, so, so what, how, how would you articulate, how do you articulate a Barbie Land that is truly threatening to patriarchy? Right, Is, right. in a sentence, what the film does. That's what it's trying you know? to do. It's trying to do yeah. to us. Yes, exactly. I mean, it also, and this ties to your estimate point, because it also should, when Ken returns before Barbie, Ken follows Barbie, or does he go with her? I can't remember. No, no, no. He, he goes ahead of her, bringing he back the ahead. books from the library about patriarchy. Right, about patriarchy. Right. So he gets there first, which enables him to, she shouldn't have I think one of the things the film's saying is she shouldn't have succumbed and taken him along to the real world, right? But uh, well, he 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 went. He was in the car. It was already there. She felt it's probably the one moment where she did feel bad. Actually, yeah, she felt bad and, and gave into right. him. We're gonna come yeah. back to this because I think it's one of the great things about the film. Uh, yeah, is is the is their dynamic. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, on, good, good. So then, so he brings back. I mean, this is one of the key things in the film, and I think one of the things that riles certain male spectators is he brings patriarchy back. 
and turns Barbie land into a land controlled by men, and the women cede their control of it to them. And, and, and this is, I think, to me, the key political struggle of the film. But one of the things that he does is he renames Barbie's house. He takes over Barbie's house, basically. <laughs> yes. And he turns it into a dojo where he okay. practices, I don't know, martial arts and things. And he calls it's or called what he the thinks Mo- martial arts are. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. he calls it the Mojo Dojo Casa House. And then Barbie makes this point, just in case the spectator didn't know this, uh, that Casa and House are the same, They're the same thing. thing. They're just yes. in different languages. And and she he goes, I don't know what he says. He's like, I know that, I don't care. Uh yeah. But to me, that was that's that's such a crucial idea that 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 Ken, when he takes over a place, he renames it in this redundant way because this. I think what it's exposing is the signifier of masculinity is itself a redundant. All it can do is just signify itself, and that's what the film is exploring. This way that all we get is this this pure signification of itself and no connection to anything other than itself. But I like the idea that. The fantasy can be infected, but both can be infected either way. So the, the social reality can be infected by the fantasy, and the fantasy can be infected by the social reality, and that's how Ken brings back patriarchy to it. Yeah, and the well, the I, I just I want to emphasize your redundancy point because it, it gets into the I think the redundancy of the mo, the Mojo Dojo Casa House is the same is the same as the like I actually think it's a bat it's the Batman thing. Where there's just Batman, but there, and people usually say this in the other way around, but I, I like it this way. It's they're just differences without distinction. Yeah, like and 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 that's like the 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 yeah the Mojo Dojo Casa House is just differences without distinction. No distinction. Just, yeah, no distinction whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's yeah that's sort of the, the I mean, and it's a nice um, it's I mean I also think it's an again it's a nice. <laughs> it's a nice point about uh about patriarchy about patriar- about about capitalism with, with the, the, it it all the time gives like the, I Joan Kopchick said this one time I can never get it out of my head the the shampoo aisle that's what that's what we get we get all the we get all this difference in the shampoo aisle plenty of difference just, but yeah. plenty of difference no distinction no whatsoever. distinction yeah. like that like that's what that's what you get and the film the the film uh to this point like it, it also does a, a little bit with you're saying I'm, I'm jumping threads a, a little bit um when uh when margot robbie barbie is trying to ask the other barbies why they're okay with patriarchy and serving the men like one, one of them says like well it's like nice to not have responsibility you, you know and right. which which is like you never uh i don't think i ever i don't know i don't know how often i, I see this in, in any in any left corners of political critique of like the things that support patriarchy and and capital and even fascism is 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 that is just that idea it's like how it's always it's always at the, the intellectual level it's like how how could you do that how could you be tricked how could you but it, at a fundamental level it's just like well when you give in to the the fascistic leader you don't have responsibility anymore yeah. to yourself to, to to people to to the social to anything bigger than you you don't have responsibility to it anymore and i, I think I, I would say what an idea like, like what a great idea it's a great idea yeah. and i think like isn't it about what you really give up responsibility for is your own mm-hmm. enjoyment right like that's the yeah like yeah, you cede to the fascist or proto-fascist leader your own 
form of enjoyment and you take up theirs, the one that they're offering. I think that's, I think that idea of responsibility is so great that I think that that's always the temptation of, because I think you come back and you're like, why did they give in to Ken? It's not like physical weakness, right? But it's this, I think it's precisely the seeding of responsibility, the the temptation of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that is the, like, that's the, the, the answer that the, that the, um, that the Barbies give to Barbie. And it's like, and it's like, it's a great, it's a great answer. It's, it's the kind of thing too, that like is so politically potent, I think, because it is in this comedy where, um, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's a, uh, there are, there, there are moments of, I think like real peril and then moments that like, I think really do uh cut, but like for the most part, it's like kind of, blue sky dramedy, I guess, you know, like, like, so, and, but I think it has to be to make this political point. I think in something that was more serious and dark and gritty, I think it would be overbearing. Uh, and I don't know how you could preachy or preachy. Like that would be actually preachy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How are the, why is it the films of Martin Scorsese are not preachy? Uh, What an amazing coincidence. I don't, I don't don't get that, but so, but, but anyway, the, But, um, yeah, so it, it's in this, um, it's in this moment. So like, I, I think, so there are a couple, a couple things before the, the, the sort of the end sequence that are maybe worth, um, getting to is that like the, the, to go back to the universality point to like what you, how the film affects it is that like it, it forces you to look at this, uh, like the, the 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 mundane struggle and pain of the everyday through the like the fresh new experience of a woman who shouldn't to our perspective not have the problems that everyday people deal with right. and and that that is one of its strengths another of its strengths is how sympathetic uh, Ryan Gosling is, he is the, and, and, and he does a job. He's, it's a different kind of character, but the work that he does, uh, relative Margot Robbie in the film, uh, I think is akin to what Tom Cruise does in Rain Man relative Dustin Hoffman, a portrayal that I think probably more problematic now than when the film came out, but even so maybe Cruise more heroic, I suppose, uh, in, in, in the movie in certain ways. But, the, but the reason why I say this about Gosling is that he, it would have been easy even when he discovers patriarchy, it would have been easy for an actor um, to play his role in uh, a way that was like, I don't like, like too, too macho, like something that like something that like we, we get to take up a position of distance to him. This is, I think what I want to say and, and, and not have a kind of uh, like emotional uh, investment or, or interest in him. But the thing with him and Barbie throughout the whole film is like, he does, re- he just wants her to notice him and he does it sympathetically. And you know, what's really great about this is that there are just times in the, and this happened to Kara too. And, and I, and I, you and I talked about it. I know that you and Hillary sort of like felt the same way. There are moments where you're like, Oh, you know, maybe it would be okay if she just kissed him or if they were fine. Right. Like what? Like, look, he was trying so hard. Yeah. And that, that is, that's that's the gaze, G A Z E. That is like the, one one of the best examples of gaze that I've seen recently in film. Is that yeah. consciously, if you had a friend say that I have this friend at work, 
uh, any, you know, doesn't matter. It doesn't, whatever gender, you know what I mean? Like whatever dynamic, whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. And what they were telling you was, this is the dynamic is that this person, they're trying really hard for my affection. And I don't really think about them that way. Kind of more friends. You would never say like, well, because they're trying so hard, you should really give into them. You would never yeah. say that's your friend. You You're a really that. shitty friend. No. But when you watch this movie and you see this, you you see God. I mean, I think I I know that the, I know that most people feel this way because this is apparently you told me like this was on a, like a left critique of the film is that he's too sympathetic and that's a problem for the film. Yeah. No bullshit. That is one of its best things because it makes you confront your own misogyny that consciously you would disavow. You would yeah. never give into, or, or like you would just never say that to someone is that like you should give into the person who's trying so hard for your affections. You would just never yeah. say that to somebody, but in this movie it makes that bubble up and you think that Barbie's being unreasonable because she wants what she wants. And right. I think that like that confrontation forcing that in, in the spectator, no matter how left or progressive or how feminist you think you are. I think that is awesome. It's one of the great strengths of this film. Okay. Here's from guardian, a supposed parody okay. of sh- this is about Gosling or sure. uh, Ken, a supposed parody of chauvinist inequity comes across instead as a winsome display of male charm. So that's oh the, that's the idea that, that, that's, that the, is the, that's the whole point. Thank you. Yeah. Like f- yeah. for, I mean, it's, it's even in the, when he does the matchbox 20 song, it's like, it's so good because like, I mean, I'd like, I have it in front of me cause I, I don't remember the, the matchbox 20 song push, which is like push, the, the yeah. whole point of him singing it is to sing the, I want to push you around. Right. I that's will, the part I he's I wanna, really in that's love the, with. Yeah. He gets really into, but the way the song begins and Kara pointed this out to me is, uh, I don't know if I've ever been good enough. I'm a little bit rusty and I think my head is caving in. I don't know if I've ever been really loved by a hand that's touched me. It's like this total admission of frailty. And that's why the chorus comes in and why it's louder than the rest of the, by the verses, because it's overcompensating for the frailty, which is what Ken is doing in the movie. But of course, Ken who's overcompensating for his frailty would think that's a really chauvinist, um, you know, masculine song that has the, the energy that he aspires to bring into right. his, you know, into his person. Like, of course he would, like, that's a perfect song for, yeah. for, for that. It, it, to, it, to expose but, him. Right. I think that that's yes. what it really, if you, I mean, yes. you have to, it's a little complex because you have to really know the song and not listen yeah, to I what he's true. trying to emphasize. But I think that's absolutely right. right. Uh, and I, I think actually, probably some of the people that like singing that song themselves are, are not <laughs> thinking about that beginning probably. part of the song. It's just like the way, do you know this police song? Uh, uh, don't, not don't stand so close to me. That's a better one about the couple. Uh, I've, I'll oh, be watching oh, you, mean you. Every, every breath you take. Every breath you yeah. take. Yeah. That sting met yeah. that as an ironic song and all these couples picked it as their, like their song. And he was like, Oh my God, no, it's terrible. a song about a stalker. Yeah. yeah and the, it's a song the, the, about a stalker. This e- exactly. This yeah. even happened where I think the, um, you know, like the council against tobacco and smoking, whatever they wanted that song. And he was like, this is a song about a stalker. This is not a song about smoking or like, or, or someone's like, like a laudatory tune right. about someone's right. life, you know, don't, don't use it for the, that purpose. No, I mean like, the, and, and so this is why music does the, you know, we, we did talk about it extensively in one episode, you know, you and I, we talk more about film and television and visual media, but this is in songs as well. When a, an understanding of a, of a song becomes popular, that is divorced from right. uh, what is at, at the line of the lyric, 
you know, and I, and I, I think like that is one of those things where it's not the, that doesn't expose, I would put it this way. It doesn't expose the, uh, the misogyny in the Mac matchbox 20 song. It exposes the misogyny in society. The, lis- hearing and the listener in right. the, the listener. Right. Yeah. Because right. It, it, it's because you listen, you can, you know, you can listen and not pay attention. And then that like, you know, like, Anyway, that that's that's uh, again why it's a, like it's a perfect choice. It's a perfect choice for Ken. It's a perfect choice for the film. It's a it's a perfect portrayal of Ken because it does engender sympathy. And then for that the Guardian article to say that that's a problem that he should have been beyond sympathy. It's like no, you should have reflected about why you were sympathetic and what you were sympathetic toward and what that meant politically in the context yeah. of the film. And had you yeah. done that, you know, I think you you would have to you have to see that like it's a perfect portrayal because he ha- he has to be sympathetic. Otherwise, it's just cartoon misogyny which it is like a lot of it but like it does have that i'm again if people want to reject it for again they want to reject it for uh on the basis of uh of commercialism or or whatever then they're probably not going to give it the time of day to 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 think through it i'll actually you know what i'll give an example of a time that i I was guilty of this just to show that i'm not a hard so to show this is going to get to a point of yours later to show i'm not a hard-hearted man tom mcgowan it's not all dollars and cents uh, reference you're going to make later. Um, but if you don't, if you don't invest time or thought in the, in the film, then like you're, you're, you're going to look at it at that surface level and then reject it for the surface when, and not see that like you're, you're taking the surface for the surface. Like you're taking it at face value and not looking at the, the theoretical work that that's like, that's happening to support the surface, which is he's singing this song that does not do what he thinks it does. Yeah. And you're, I I, may, I keep hitting this point. So I'm sorry if you got it the first time, but like his portrayal is sympathetic. And so that you confront why you're sympathetic to the guy who the, the girl won't want. And you're on his side like that, like no matter again, how left or progressive you think you are, like it's just, it's such a great point. But again, I'm not immune. This is a, uh, First time I saw the film uh, Gone Baby Gone, uh, the Casey Affleck movie, I really didn't like it. And part mm. of it was it's a it's a prejudice on my part because it was a Boston thing. I was just so done with the yeah. Boston thing. Like yeah. growing up in the South Shore of Massachusetts, like oh the for a, after the Departed, it was like the Departed yeah. Kids, my fucking favorite movie. Watched it with Nana after getting be- like I just I couldn't <laughs> deal with that shit. So anyway, the the um so that movie comes out and I just thought it was so dumb because what happens in the f- the movie the like the uh, the the impetus for the whole film is that this uh, girl gets kidnapped and her um I want to say uh, aunt or grandmother I forget what it is she makes a big deal to the police about this girl being missing but the girl's mother doesn't. And the girl's mother portrayed as you know, like a drug addict and, and can't, can't hold down a job. And so it's up to the responsible member of the, the family to, to, you know, raise hell and get the police involved. Police won't do anything. So she reaches out to Casey Affleck, who's a private detective, and he starts asking questions that, you know what, he's not supposed to ask. Right. Getting into things that, and I was just like, oh, was, oh, blah, blah. And it turns out, sorry to ruin this film. It turns out that what happens is, is actually this wasn't a kidnapping. It was actually a deal between the police and the girl's mother for a off the books adoption because the police chief was retiring and he couldn't. I, I can't remember if he, like he couldn't have kids or he had kids die or whatever, but he just wanted something like good after his all his time on the force or whatever. So she was going to live in the country and be taken out of. Uh, you know, whatever uh, life that she was projected to live under the circumstances that, you know, her mother gave her. And I remember seeing the movie and I was just like, 
wait a minute. So they did all this work to, to do a kidnapping, to get this girl out of these circumstances. And they missed the one person who cared about her. They didn't pay her off. She was the one person they didn't pay off. Ah, stupid film. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. A couple of years go by, Todd. I don't know why I was thinking about it again, but it, it popped up in my head. Yeah. And I thought, wait a minute. The position of the cops was that nobody cared about this girl. Right. And that she was going to grow up in this like terrible circumstances. So of course they would miss the one person who cared about her. Right. They had to, of course they were going to miss it. And I still don't like that movie very much, but I think that's a very good point. Like I think it's, it's a theoretical, it's still the Boston thing. That's my prejudice. I have to get over that and deal with it in my own time. But I think that's a really, really nice point, you know, that the, that the, that the film makes. And I think again, if you don't, but if you don't, you don't have, if you don't get, if you don't have that sort of like that push, that investment in the in in the thing and like a movie like Barbie, like you're not going to see these things. You're just going to miss miss them completely. Right. I really love that idea that you should think why am I why is why am I being critical of the thing? I'm, I mean, obviously there are certain things you can just be critical of, right? And and sure. and after you reflect on them, then you're saying maybe I'm still critical of them. Mm-hmm. But I think you also have to think like why is the film making that move so that I feel like I like I feel for Ken. And mm-hmm. I don't want to feel for, this is supposed to be a feminist yes. film. Why am I feeling for Ken? Well, yeah. why are you feeling for Ken? I think that's yes. the, I mean, I think you have to, those aren't just questions like, and then damn the film for them. They're questions <laughs> that then should ra- should make you think about your own response to the film. And I, I think that's mm-hmm. such a great point by you that that you really, that a response to a film is never just an immediate response to a film. Mm-hmm. It's also mm-hmm. your response to your response to the film, yeah, right? Like it's right. always your, like the film is trying to act on you in a certain way. And then you have mm-hmm. to, you have to examine, you don't just have to examine your immediate response, but you have to think like, okay, how did I, how was that response part of the way the film is mediating my whole experience? Right. And if you don't think about that, then you're really missing what the film is doing. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, All right, so we're going to get to the big so thing. We got to do it. We got to yeah. do it because yeah. because that was a great setup. Because this is the one. Because there is the one moment where I think the film is guilty of missing what the film is doing. Yeah. And but then it does what it's doing. So you've brought us to the point the 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 climax of the film. Barbie having gone to the real world, uh, not finding finding out that she is not a hero to to women or young girls. That she is in fact a villain. That she makes everyone feel bad about themselves because they don't measure up to her standard, and it's an impossible standard anyway. It's fictitious. It's made up, and for her to even embody it is this incredible slur, and and, and is in fact it, like nothing short of an act of villainy itself. Yep. And she has that experience. Then she comes back to Barbie Land, or oh my God, finally I can go back to a place where things are sane, and I, I can think to myself. And then it becomes this out. It's this outrageous patriarchy, and he, and even Barbie land is just uh is now like the real world is now is now a mess and she's just you know laying face down on the floor of weird barbie's uh retreat uh and gloria um oh underrated performance by michael sarah throughout the film i thought very good at it as alan very funny like yeah so he i guess he's the like the 
the, the Ken weird weird Ken. I mean, right. my Kara uh, told me my mother in law has an Allen doll somewhere. Oh wow! In this in this house, yeah, yeah. Um, also, shout out to Jane Fuhr who had a Barbie huge Barbie collection. I found this out from Henry Cripps. Jane Fuhr, one of my favorite uh, TV TV studies people. Anyway, uh, she I don't know I don't know if she would have liked the film, but I just wanted to put that out there. So mm-hmm. okay, um, so Barbie goes back to uh, to you know, to Barbie land to finds, finds it in the, in the state. And she's just like ex- existential dread has become her and she like, can't do anything. She's face down. And, uh, she, she's gone back with Gloria and Sasha though. Right. That's a key part. Right. Right. So we'll yeah. go back to Barbie land. Yeah. And so Gloria, Gloria is asking her like, what's like, what's wrong and, and, and whatever. And, and Barbie, Margot Robbie, uh, close up about as extreme a close up as, contemporary yeah. like, like mainstream Hollywood gets yeah. um, and she talks about and she's talking about uh, not I mean and maybe you remember it better than I do but just what she's explaining is like she's just not not good enough she's not like that she doesn't like everything about her is not uh, is, is it's like the Matchbox 20 song in the first verse not in the chorus that yeah. just like she she has uh, nothing going for her she doesn't know anything she's not even like pretty and 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 that's like that's like what 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 is she any anymore and and like like she's absolutely nothing she has like like this no no value and like there's no there's no beauty to her in an existential sense and then what happens helen mirren who is the (laughs) we mentioned earlier is uh, is the narrator Pops back in to say, note to the filmmakers, if you want to make this point, you shouldn't have Margot Robbie playing uh, in the film or making this point. Making this and point. Right? Making this point. And what happens? Everyone in the theater laughs. Everyone in the everyone theater laughs. La- and when I was watching it, everyone busted out laughing. Everyone including out me. Laughing. Including me. Including you. Yeah. I did not laugh. You did I not, good for you. What I, theoretical I did discipline. Not. Thank you. Thank you very much. The student has et cetera, the master. So the, right. um, the, so the, then I, and the reason why I didn't like it immediately was I was that what was happening in the movie was that the ordinary mundane existential, uh, dread and, and lack that we all feel was being experienced and being explained by Barbie face to the camera straight on by Margot Robbie, by this, Mm -hmm. by, you know, 21st century objective beauty standards, a beautiful woman who, again, we would think has like, like no problems. What, what, what is she lacking or whatever? And it is precisely because Margot Robbie probably shouldn't be making that point that she's the ideal person to be making that point. And that's why you don't have the narrator come in and just ruin that moment because do you know what is about to happen? Gloria gives this speech where this is exactly what she says. If even you feel that way, right. what hope do the rest of us have? Right. And she, and she says, you feel this way because of the, she doesn't say it exactly like this, but she does use the word contradiction, but you feel this way because of the intractable contradiction of being a woman. Like That's that right. is that in, that is, that is why you feel this way. And I just thought, that the film was smart enough to make that point. The film should have been strong enough to let viewers think the Helen Mirren uh, narrator thing. Let let viewers think that, like, boy, it's really hard for me to, to see Margot Robbie making this point when she's so beautiful. Then let Gloria tell you 
It doesn't matter how beautiful you think she is. She doesn't think that right right now. She feels like a complete failure. She looks like she's on the verge of suicide. Like, like the, and and that you let, let the viewers think that. And then let Gloria explain how this is the fundamental contradiction of existence as, as a woman in the 21st century. Yeah, and that yeah. this is the thing that people in the patriarchy need to understand to bring themselves out of it. And I, it was, it's just the one, the one disappointment that I, that I have in, in the movie. I, was, I was, totally was agree with you about that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, for one thing, that kind of, uh, winking, uh, I think I would call it just cynical, kind of statement it, yeah. it seems yeah. like it's to me it's always suspect because as Helen Mirren narrates it she makes it seem like this statement is not part of the filmic enunciation <laughs> but yeah. like the filmmakers like she's commenting on the filmmakers but mm-hmm. I, I I like I think we could be pretty confident that Helen Mirren didn't think up that line <laughs> herself and even if no. she did Greta Gerwig decided to edit it into the film Right. So, mm-hmm. so this is part of the filmic enunciation. So you can't, you can't critique the enunciation within the enunciation and not have that yeah. be part of the enunciation. So that it just, it's, that itself is contradictory. And then yeah. you're such, it's such a great point that it really, it really destroys the point that Gloria makes afterward about the the confrontation with contradiction. You have to be thin, but not too thin. You never can, yes. ask, you never say you want to be thin, all that. Right. You can you never get old. You can't be rude. You can't like so all these things about. Mm. And then she says it's too contradictory, and no one cares. Uh, I think that's such a great political strategy that it mm. almost had to be undermined by the film itself because it couldn't. Yeah. It yeah. couldn't even. It couldn't. And then not only is it articulated as a. I mean, I don't think that Gloria articulates it as a political strategy. She doesn't mean to. But then that's that's what happens. Because what happens. Yes. this has the effect on the immediate Barbies in her vicinity, and then they said, "Oh, we can we can do this to the other Barbies." And then in one of my favorites, we can break them free because because the patriarchy became like a thrall where the Barbies right. couldn't think for themselves. That's right. Insane. And then and then and and then the idea is that when you recognize this structuring contradiction, you're that that amount that sets you free. And I thought yeah. I loved that because it's not just, I think people have said, well, the problem is this is just a consciousness raising effort. And I think there's a difference between confronting structural or fundamental contradictions in your own subjectivity and mm-hmm. having your consciousness raised about your actual structural situation. I think those are two vastly different things. And I think the film it's- is showing the former. Yeah, I I agree, and especially since uh, consciousness raising typically is on the is on the side of uh, knowledge acquisition. Correct. So it's almost like it's like a it's a um, uh, an accumulation of knowledge. It's a capitalism of knowledge, and that doesn't like you know, Freud has a great line: knowledge doesn't cure the symptom, and neither does knowledge cure the symptom here. It's confrontation with intractable existential contradiction it's not like they they don't pull out statistics of of how uh undervalued and and underfoot women are in the real world for why in the barbie world they should act differently it's a confrontation with this like the the, this this again you keep using the word this this contradiction that keeps the the world on its axis in this fundamentally like misogynistic way that's what it's not 
I, I, I don't, so I, I don't, I, I just think it's a fundamental different project and consciousness raising and education, which always has this, um, which always has the, not like the knowledge acquisition component tied to it Absolutely. and not this more existential piece, which I think is more accessible by the way, than like the education thing because right. of the way, like not cause education, not always accessible, but I yeah. think the, but I think that the existential, I think existential dread is, it's accessible to everyone. <laughs> it's accessible to everybody. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. But, and right. that's why it's, it's perfect that it's, that it was through Margot Robbie, this person who, again, shouldn't have it objectively shouldn't should be have fine. It. That's exactly. And that's why right. it's such a good point. And why it's, a, you're, you're right that the, that the film had to undermine it because it is such a good point and it is so politically potent. It's also like this thing, the film is meta throughout, but that is, I agree with you is the, part but point where it's it's metafictional to the point of cynicism yeah. and the they do call this in screenwriting for television it's probably the same for film they call it lampshading so you like you say you're doing something and then that allows you to do the thing so you like right. you acknowledge like if you're gonna have a musical episode you just have characters talk about like oh i hate music episodes on tv shows where they don't normally do musical episodes and then now you can do a musical episode because right. you had people acknowledge it but it's just this like cynical thing that like no con- con- confront force people to, to confront the point you're making yeah. why is it why what is it that is done this would be what i would say what is it that you have to do a musical episode for the, buffy the vampire slayer greatest greatest example yeah. what is it that you have to say in once more with feeling that you can't say in a regular episode why what what is it that that the musical form gives you that you can't get otherwise like let people for let people think that yeah let, let people you know that, that don't let let people say why why did margot robbie of all the barbies have to say that why did stereotypical barbie have to have that don't let helen mirren don't have her come in to 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 be to to like smoke a cigarette and like oh yeah okay now the film's cool it's making fun of itself let people let let people go through that the same thing with the the same thing with ken like in fact i would have understood it but if if helen mirren came in if you have sympathy for Ken, you need to confront your own internal misogyny. That would have been really funny. That'd and that funny. maybe would be even yeah. a better point. But yeah. I still think don't do it in either case. Don't do it. But it would have been it would have been much better on that side than yeah, it would have yeah, been yeah. on the Barbie I, side. Here's a question. Is there yeah. ever a good narration? Um, is there ever a good narration? I mean, I noir f- would be the answer, right? Like noir, mm. if there is an answer, it's film, it's yeah. like double indemnity or film noir. But even then, I just mm-hmm. wonder. Like the great gesture of Ridley Scott to take the narration out oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Blade Runner. I think that you, yeah. you're too young to have ever. I saw that. No, I've origin- seen it. I've seen the. Oh, you I, have seen I, it. I, okay. Because, okay. Because when I heard it was such a great film, this was. I have a just very very quick. I'm going to do uh, yeah, yeah. forty seconds on uh, Blade Runner. When I was younger and getting into film, I heard Blade Runner was so good, and I really liked Alien, so I wanted to uh, to see it, and uh, I rented it from Blockbuster. And they had that was the only copy they had was the one oh they the had narration. the narration one okay that was the only one they had it was with the love conquers all it was that and I was just like people like this film like why do people like this film it wasn't until years later that I saw that I saw the um, the director's cut and without it so yeah yeah it made I, a I significant I just think it's huge an, it's, a, it's incredible it's a question is there ever a narration that is belongs in a film I mean it's just such a I mean obviously silent cinema is different. 
but sound cinema, the talkie is it, 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 too much talk destroys the film. And I think that mm. that's mm-hmm. the, I think this the is the problem with like narration is, go ahead. That's why you don't like Quentin Tarantino. That's right. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Who, who has a reputation for being very filmic, but I think he's very theatrical instead. But anyway, that's not, yeah. Although that actually brings us right to the key, the key thing, my <laughs> favorite right, part the of the movie. That's yeah. my favorite part of the movie. So in order to, to seduce, the, so they've, they've turned all the Barbies, they've made them aware of, of the, this fundamental contradiction, but they needed, oh no, no, they're in the process of doing that, yes. but they need a way to distract the Kens mm-hmm. while they're while they're talking to the Barbies. And the, what they do is that they tell them, they give them three things they can do to distract Ken. But the, I want to focus on the one which I thought was yeah, so great. They, they say, get them, get them talking to you about God, the first Godfather movie. <laughs> and then they'll, they'll be so distracted that they'll, they'll, they'll lose their, their, uh, you know, investment in, in controlling you. And to, I just thought, and yeah, to make it clear in the scene, there is a, they they send a Barbie who's already um, understands the contradiction of of, of being Correct. a woman to to distract the Ken so that they can uh, convert kidnap. the other Barbie yeah kidnap exactly. I guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, one one the the Barbie that is exactly. under the thrall still yeah and, so and one of the great yeah it's just they have these different methods but the 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 Godfather one was I just thought that was such an amazing thing because. This is true. If you're a film, this is one of the things, if you're a film professor, you've inevitably had, I don't know how many, how many of you had, I've had like maybe 20 guys say to me, I've just had a gathering or whatever. And they're like, Oh, you're a film professor. What do you think about the God? And I'm like, it's fine. But I, I never say, which is what I should say. Well, you know, two years later, he maybe made the best film of the second half of the 20th century. Could we, Maybe we should talk about that instead. But but of course, Todd, 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 you mean Godfather Part Two? Godfather right? Part Two, exactly. I, no, he means to be clear, the, I mean, the conversation, the conversation. Yeah, uh, which lost the Academy Award to Godfather Part Two, and one of the great yes. thefts in the history of it. It's like how great, how green was my valley beating out Citizen Kane? Uh, <laughs> except in this case, it was Coppola beating himself. Um, yeah, but beating himself. I think I didn't mean to put it that way. Uh, <laughs> But I so I just the, the idea of the guy explaining Godfather as the th- as the then that becomes the weakness and yes. the, and the sight of really overturning his authority I thought was just it, it was it was incredible and well and, it is the it's it's the announced point that they they do make this 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 point that like the I, I I don't remember the line exactly but the the Barbies explain that the whole Ken world is held together by the thing that will undo it. Yeah. And and so and that ends up being articulated as their inherent um, like by because the, the patriarchy, it just makes such a nice point. The patriarchy is set up to cover over the lack, the, the lack that's in the Matchbox 20 song at the beginning that, yep. that conveniently, you know, can overemphasizes the you know, the, the chorus so that you don't think about the way that the, the lack that it begins with the that that all the Ken's feel lacking to each other and the patriarchy means that they don't have to feel lacking to anybody to themselves for any reason whatsoever. And it's even in like, that's the thing too, where that's why part of the Godfather thing is like, Oh, well let me carefully explain to you 
about the Godfather because like you can't be lacking about the Godfather. Yeah. Like no, like like I'm gonna fill in this 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 lack because that like again at this moment like for the Kens is like that's the existential um, impasse is that you you have a lack of knowledge. They're on the side of consciousness raising, I would argue, is, right? Is, uh, and 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 not and what the what the what the Barbies are doing is on the side of like of, of dialectics. I think in, in our, in our reading. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's, great point. it's just, yeah, it's just, it's obnoxious. And the other one, the one, the, the other one that, that I, that I love that I caught is that the, the one of the Ken's explaining about uh, the uh, alt rock heroes pavement to, uh, to an unsuspecting <laughs> Barbie close um, to home for you. Right. Which a, because of one of my favorite bands, it's really funny, <laughs> but they were talking about, but it's even more, it's like, it, the joke was like for me and like and for yeah, men of yeah. a certain age and, and interest in music because he doesn't even say pavement. He says Stephen Malkinus. So you have to know who the Oh, the you really singer. have to know. Yeah. You really, just, yeah, you have that to. meant nothing to me. So. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. It's the yeah. So the um but it wasn't it was really nice of this like pavement being the um the godfather <laughs> godfather part one of, of alt rock, which of I think rock, is a problem. Yeah. It's true. I think it's a, like undoubtedly true. Like yeah. it only would have been I mean if they said like, Oh, have you heard Crooked Rain? Like that would have been for me me but that would that's too specific yeah. so um but yeah so that the that kind of the dialectical reversal through that scene is again it's another one of the another one of the one of the strengths of the film and yeah. another one of the, these moments where mm-hmm. it evinces a lot of the things that we talk about on the on this show all the time is that there is you know we said this in a number of different um episodes even recently that like the uh in any structure of, of any kind, like, uh, you can make it as small as, as a friend group, uh, family, and you can make it as large as academia, government, uh, or, or however you want to define the social broad or small, any structure that you can, you can name of from our perspective, this is, would be our argument hat. Like it has the seeds of its undoing in it. And it is that point of tension which leads to uh like any kind of uh strife or uh conflict it like again within the structure and so for the structure to hold and operate according to status quo it has to minimize ignore pretend it doesn't exist smooth over in some way that like that point of 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 that contradiction that in inextricable contradiction that like is the thing that keeps it together. And what the Barbies do is that they, they use that. It's like, you know, I, I'd like to, to think of it this way that like th- there are sometimes, sometimes I don't know if you've ever had shirts like this where it's, start, it's starting to fray in a certain way, but there's really <laughs> there's like one thread that is kind of keeping it f- together, looking yeah. as a presentable wearable shirt. And you just <laughs> come to, to become aware after washing it enough times that if that one thread goes, <laughs> The whole thing goes. Yeah. And like, and that's, that's, that's this, that, that is this yeah. in, in, in yeah. Barbies. Like they find that thread and all structures have that thread that if you, if you plucked at it, the thing would come apart. Exactly. And that is the, I think that would be like our, our basis for like, that's where like emancipatory politics and like, you know, revolutionary like action, like it, 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 it does not, not just should, but always when those things happen, it always occurs at those points. At, the, right. at, at, at those those dialectical the dialectical things that that uh, the points that um, again the status quo wants you to think is uh, non-existent or not or not a or not a problem it is set up exclude it is set up and intentioned to uh, make you ignore it 
You know, that's why when the when the Barbies start to do what they do, the the contradiction for the Kens become it becomes too much, yeah. and they they have to dance at each other, which is really funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I mean, it's clear that she, that the film was influenced by Jacques Demy. I think when that scene, mm. you know, comes up, that scene to me, mm. she I, I heard an interview with her and she's really she said that. But it seemed, it reminded me of um, Umbrellas of Cherbourg or something or something like mm. that. You know, like the mm-hmm. or the Demoiselle de Rochefort, so something mm-hmm. like that. But I thought that mm-hmm. was a Jacques Demy or even an American like singing the rain or right american right, right. Pa- american in paris well, doesn't it end with a 25 minute dance number so it's <laughs> yeah right, i think right, it right. does yeah 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 so it's, it's ha- i mean you that was a long dance number and you're right that, that's all the i liked the way i mean just the way you put it is really good right that the a dance number is a response precisely to the confrontation with contradiction within the narrative that they can't they, ha- they have no way out of so they just mm-hmm turn to dance. I think <laughs> it's a nice, it would be nice to read the musical in the, in this, this, in that way that the, mm. the musical number is always a response to, or, I mean, you could do it vice versa, right? That the, that the narrative is always a response to some excess of, of enjoyment in that articulated in the musical number. And well, then it, well, it's trying to wrestle get- with that. Well, because you get people, what can you do in a musical that you can't do in anything that doesn't have musical numbers is that you can have people say how they feel. Like you can have them say exactly how they feel. Right. And in dialogue, that's like, that is considered, uh, that's bad. That's considered bad, bad writing. writing. Right. Bad. Writing. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and, and you, you know, you, but you can, you can have your characters and you can get, it's a real this is the thing. It's a real shortcut that doesn't feel like it because it is so extravagant. And I don't say shortcut as in it's easy. It's certainly not easy to write a musical number because there are all so many things going on. There's the dancing that is also, ex- so you, you have, so the line is more literal because there's all this expression going on both musically and like through dance. So you, that's, so that's the, that is the, um, the indirection that you normally get in dialogue that's trying to at least in some minimal way hide the like the bone of what someone is feeling. Right. But in a musical, the thing that threads it together is I don't know, like a more uh, a much more open I think that's right. Uh thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's yeah, the, I think yeah. that's right. And then the film ends with her Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I, we I was shocked I by believe- Go ahead. There are, two, there are actually two two things. So we want to get to that point. I I also want to say just while we're at the end, like you know, we 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 usually do our long episodes, of course. Um, before you get to the absolute end, because it is a really nice point and a very psychoanalytic point. Yeah, a very Joan Kopchak point. It is, uh, that, it th- is. that the film ends on um, something that I am ninety eight percent sure. I want to say okay about is that the film never uses the word power power yeah and it well, that, it certainly it, doesn't emphasize power even if it, it certainly doesn't emphasize it if it doesn't it literally out. say it yeah, yeah. maybe maybe it maybe what was slipped slipped in once or twice but it's really really clear and 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 targeted on patriarchy yeah. and on on uh those who like and, and not just those who uh uh espouse it or and and or and benefit from it but how it is an idea and then from idea becomes structuring reality, which I think is very important. It's very important to the film. And I think that's the, like, there's some, (laughs) like there's some, uh, you you never want to, I don't think you ever want to do this in, uh, 
any kind of critical writing or any, or even like a film, but like there are like, I've seen like absolutely insipid, uh, like internet debates, either like in, 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 uh, Twitter comments or like Reddit threads where people are like, Oh, if there's a patriarchy, like when's the next election, how do I get to vote in the patriarchy? Because like, where is it? Who's in charge? Right. And like, and, and it's a, it's such a dumb take that people, have to that if you want to actually engage that person you have to do so much work to undo that dumb dumb take which is why which is the i think um i don't know i don't know who's who's uh term this is but like the thermodynamics of bullshit is just like it takes so much effort to overturn something that is like deliberately wrong like right. like it has more you know like if, if it's if, if, if it was just evidently like false and like truly like bullshit, it would be easy to dismiss, but it's because there is, there's like something to it that it's not true, but it is usefully, usefully uh, occludes, occludes what is actually needs to be talked about. And that's why it takes so long to deal with it. And this, and what I, what Barbie does like so well on this is like it, it doesn't, it would be really easy for, the Ken land to like as a patriarchy to have like a governmental structure, but that's never the point. Never, the, the you know, yeah. never the point. It's always like, look, this is this idea. And as, as a, as an idea, like it becomes really easy to give into, and this is what it leads to. And this is how this idea structures social reality. And I thought that was a really great point. And I, and I thought part of how it was able to do that was it was able to avoid the, like the ambiguity of making power the villain, which is yeah. like uh, happens much more often in Hollywood film, especially. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to make sure to mention that. Absolutely. Yeah. The final thing. Definitely yeah. worth saying. Yeah. I think, uh, but then it, so the end is just incredible, I think, because so I, you thought it might fade to white. I think that's what you said. To I me, did right? say that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I thought, I thought for sure we're going to get the cut. She's back. She's entering and she decides to enter into real life. I thought for sure she was going to be, you know, five years later, whatever, the new CEO sure. of Mattel. I just sure. thought yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. she's going to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, this is a, a, we were told this is a nice liberal feminist movie and that's the <laughs> liberal feminist dream, you know, right. women as mm-hmm. CEO and then everything's going to be different. And, and, but it didn't do that. <laughs> More women prison guards, better <laughs> representation for women and prison guards. Right. right. I mean, I'm obviously yeah. for it, but yeah. your point is that it's, there's a certain absurdity to that. But, uh, Anyway, well, and this, it, 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 it avoids the structural problem. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. So I, I think though, but the, but the the idea, what it does instead, it ends with her visiting a gynecologist. So the point <laughs> yes. is, I think that Barbie in that 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 in that fantasy world is not a sexed being, and so mm-hmm. to come like what she wants to be more than anything is a sexed being. And I think that's really, really a nice touch because that's a, I think the whole film is really about the political, the politicization of Barbie and Mm. the integral part of that politicization is being a sexed desiring being. If you're not, then you're not going to be a political actor, I think. Well, I mean, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and think, I think that like the, the path to Barbie, like if then you've, so you've seen the movie and you get the ending where she like, it's just such a funny last line that like, and what are you here for? I'm here to see a gynecologist. And she had yeah. said earlier when she was getting cat called by 
construction workers, she told them flat out, I don't have a vagina and, <laughs> and he doesn't have genitals. And, you know, and then it's really funny. Like Ken has the shame about it. And I think Ryan Gosling really like, he says like, I have all the genitals or whatever, like, cause yeah. he doesn't know. He, he like, he yeah. doesn't know anything, but he's just trying to, that's a, it's a very, that's, I think like a really nice, like yeah. masculine, like resp- again, his whole thing, like trying to cover up black. Right. Um, and I think, so he is trying to cover up uh, this like this existential lack this, and, and, and avoid it, avoid the problem. And I think that you could read just like what you're saying, like you can read Barbie's trajectory as like becoming a desiring being like in that the 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 the, the, the this I think this like this is a part of Jones point is that like you you have to be sexed to have uh like desire yeah like the the, the like those those two things they're are interconnected like, yeah they're they're integral or they are like the you, same thing they are right. or they are the same yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah i think yeah. that might that might be your point yeah. and it's so for her and so it's really interesting like for her to contemplate death is the like that is where she begins to to really think about death and dying and lack and not being good enough and then to have desire and to be uh, you know, to have, uh, to have sexual organs. Yeah. Uh, like the, that, that all has to, that all has to go together. Like it can't be. And I, like, I like that point too, that like, like it would be, uh, I don't know, like too, too phantasmatic for her to, uh, exist in the real world without, uh, sexual organs. It would, wouldn't mean that she, she wasn't proper. Like she was not, would not be integrated into it. It doesn't say anything one way or another about her sexuality or even her like her, her gender identity right. such as whatever it may be at the end of the movie. It's just that like this um the how do I want to phrase it? The like the existential necessity of being uh of 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 being sexed and and of having desire and those things being like tied together is made by the the end of the film and I I I mean, we don't know if Joan's seen it. I I don't know if she would like it, but the, I, I think it'd be tough for her. She's okay. she has a pretty high brow taste. Joan yeah, Kotchak we're talking about, but yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, friend, 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 and mentor. To both it's a it's a uh, it's a far ways from Avas Kiristami. Let, let's just say that. Yeah, it is. Although Gerwig probably, like, I'm sure she loves. The oh, I'm sure she loves Kiristami. It's just yeah. that the 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 Kiristami who Joan loves and is writing a book on the. Kiristami is a film. He's a filmmaker about ob, like not letting us fall into a fantasy world, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. it's it's almost he's. I, I'm not. I like both kinds of films, but I think that you people that are really invested in a certain kind, it's hard for them to make the yeah. the move. To but the I think this thing. is isn't. I think this is your claim though about this film is that it it is on the side of not letting us fall into the fantasy. That, like, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's your, your argument. Cause of the end. Yeah. Yeah. Cause of the end. Well, I think because of the, um, the, the contradiction, the, part. The, the tie, well, the tie yeah. between our world and, and the Barbie world right. and the, and the phantasmatic support that it acts as for the, um, the, the abuses and the inequality in the real world. I think that's, I don't know. Yeah, no, I get, I, I, I think that's right. I, I, it's just that the revolution takes place in the fantasy. And I think, yeah, for yeah. someone like Kiristami, it can only take place when we, or the real emancipating That's change, fair. can only take yeah. place if we 
distance ourselves from the fantasy in some way. Right. So it's a little different, but I, I see your point that the, it is insisting on the connection. It's, it's like a film mm. by Lynch in that way, I think, actually. Mm. Mm. Uh, Interesting. You know, it, it's like whatever. It could be like Mulholland Drive, Blue Velvet, Lost Highway. It's one of those. <laughs> well, I, think it, I mean, it's funny in a way that Lynch's film, it's, it's more, yeah, yeah. What I don't know if it, he, he, his films, the funniest one is Blue Velvet, but it's Dennis it's Hopper's. A, well, this, when you laugh, it's a relief. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is you right. don't, you but you're also, it's like, it's Gallo's humor. I mean, he's like yeah. a terrible killer. and <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and yeah. the things he's saying are just terrible. You know, want to go on a joyride? Well, I don't know. But it's <laughs> funny. Blue Ribbon. I know, right. Know, that's that's funny. But it's, yeah. you know, it's also horrifying. But <laughs> so all right, Ryan. What's the lesson, Todd? Yeah, I the lesson. We're, we're you know, here, I, I think I have one that we haven't seen. I think the lesson is to watch both versions of Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. nice. Because I don't. I think we did very <laughs> early. We did Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It might be our second yes. or third podcast. Second uh, episode, yeah. But I don't think we've ever recommended the original Blade Runner, and I I, no. I do think that it. It, 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 if you can find, I think you can find, I think they come in a pack, but I don't, I think you, it'll be hard. It's only if you have the DVD or you can find it somewhere online, but it's not, I think streaming, you only get the the director's cut. So it is right. difficult to find yeah. both versions, but I think it's worth it to see, just watch a little bit of the narration or the, especially at the end, because it's a real, the cop out is really intense mm-hmm. as you said it's, it, yeah go ahead it's pretty bad and what people normally say is is like harrison ford didn't want to do it and so right uh, it's often criticized for the performance but i think it's just the, it's the presence of it like i think that's all. right and scott didn't really want to do it it was a, i think it was a test audience didn't understand yes. the film and so the producers made him go back yeah. and change it but yeah it was yeah. recorded later and yeah it didn't mm. it wasn't great so. no <laughs> Nice. So, right, that, right. so what? So what you have there is what you have there is like. I think this would be pretty good. Is how the over, the over presence of something is a needs to be understood as a lack, right? And then the lack, yeah. the lack of something uh, enables the like the film to have the 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 argument and the presence that it actually wants, and to right. make the the argument right. that it actually does. So, right. Anyway. Right. I, like it's fascinating that the their narration actually destroys the film. I mean. The narration tried to destroy this film, but luckily it was under control. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd.